you have your Bibles today, uh, I'd like for you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is where I'll be today, and uh, I'm going to be looking at some passages of Scripture. I don't know what God's doing lately. It's like I prepare messages, and then the night before I have to change it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm not hearing from God good the first time. I'm not sure. But uh, uh, Luke chapter... Uh, 20, uh, 22 is where I'm going to be. And I'm also going to read a passage, and I hope we can read this one together. I'll only put it on the screen from Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 3. But let's go to Luke 22, uh, 39 through 46. <clears throat> Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then he, his uh, sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when, he, when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said in verse 46, and then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. This morning, I want to share with you a message <clears throat> entitled, His Suffering, Our Gain. His Suffering, Our Gain. We often think about the suffering of Jesus as beginning this week, this Sunday, is Palm Sunday, as he would walk into about 2.5 million people would be in the city at that time because it was the Passover. And in the 10th day of the, the 10th month of the first day, they would also take a lamb. And on the 14th day, they would slaughter it. Isn't it amazing that the very day and the time that Jesus drove, drove, <laughs> rode into the city that day on that colt or donkey, that they were also at the same time going to get the lamb to be slaughtered for the Passover celebration. That ain't a coincidence, church. <clears throat> the true Passover lamb was riding the donkey in the town. But his suffering and his trials and what he went through in life started even at birth, even after he was born. You remember the story? that after Jesus was born, uh, Joseph and Mary was, was visited and told that, that uh, the Pharaoh was going to do what? Go and kill every baby boy he could kill just to get to Jesus. And they fled the city and went, and God preserved him and preserved his life. You see, the whole life of Jesus, in some way or another, was some kind of persecution, struggle, and fight. I mean, his entire life was battling a system of religion. 
Because Jesus didn't come to give people a religion. He came to give them a relationship. He came to give them the only true option that there is if you really want to see God and be in heaven one day. He gave them an option through Jesus to not only go to heaven, but to serve him while we're here on this earth. You know, as I think about this last week, this Palm Sunday, I think about and I get that image in my head of him walking into town and riding on that donkey and the rest of walking around him. And what a, what a beautiful picture and what a fulfillment of prophecy that was. There's some 300 and some odd prophecies that were specifically about this time period has been fulfilled and were fulfilled perfectly because of what Jesus did. But he came in and that week he did a lot of stuff. He, he cleaned out the temple. Remember that story? If you go to John chapter 2, it wasn't the first time that Jesus had cleaned out the temple. He had done it after his very first miracle. In John chapter 2, you can find that recorded in there. So at his first miracle and the display of his first of his ministry, he cleaned out the temple. And why did he do it? Because they were using it. The house of God had become a place where they were selling livestock and goats and sacrifices in the first time around. And then the Bible says during this week of period of that Palm Sunday we talk about in the following days, he did it again. Run the money, ran the, the money changers out of the place because they were there to do one thing. That was to sell and to buy. It was no longer about God. Some of the best and most wonderful teachings of Jesus happened during this week. If you go, one of my favorite texts of Scripture is Matthew 24. And it's because it, it tells us a lot about not only who Jesus was, but the future and what's coming. Jesus taught this during this week. Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room. And I've often wondered, what would it have been like to be there and to be with Jesus in that intimate setting and to have a meal with Jesus and to experience that wonderful time with Jesus? All that happened this week during this week. But there was something else that happened that <clears throat> we often don't talk about, and it's the text that I just read to you. Um, the text that I just read to you is about him finishing up with the disciples, leaving the place that they were, going to a place he always went, which was prayer. Isn't that amazing? Jesus prayed. Don't you think we need to pray? Because Jesus knew that his betrayal in the cross was ahead of him. Don't be deceived today to think, and I've often heard people say, and I've probably said it sometime in the past, that, you know, that we took his life, but the truth and the reality is Jesus laid his life down. He gave it. If you go to John chapter 10, verse 18, it says that. Jesus says, don't, don't refer to it as taking my life, but I'm laying my life down. But the good part is, he says, it'll be taken up again. That, that's the joy, right? Jesus, from the beginning of his ministry to the end, knew and understood where he was going. It was not a surprise to Jesus when he chose Judas that Judas would betray him. He chose him for that purpose. 
You say, that's hard to believe. Well, that's what the scripture says. He knew exactly what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. And now we find him as he enters into a point in time where the weight of what's coming to him. Have you ever been in that situation where you know there's something coming or the dread of the unknown? Now, for him, it wasn't unknown. It was the dread of what he knew what was coming. He knew it. And what did he do? He finished up in the last hour his meal and his final teachings with his disciples. He, he, he went and cleared, the, I love this, he went and cleared the temples out one more time. Didn't do any good at that time. They just came right back and went to selling, I'm sure. But he had to do it one more time just to show them what they're doing was wrong. And then he goes down and the Bible says he begins to pray. Now I want to share with you a few things about this, and we're going to get to Hebrews 12 and toward the end. Don't let me, I haven't forgotten about it. It says, when Jesus began his road of suffering so long ago, he was about now to go enter into another stage of suffering that goes far and beyond anything he had suffered before. He was about to go to the cross. And there's some things about this scene that I want you to think about. Because the Bible says that when he left, he went straight to the place. Now listen, if people were after you, and you knew they were going to take you by force and do bad things to you, what would you do? You, would you hide out? Would you, would you go to the place where everybody knew you'd going to be? It's unusual, but that's exactly what Jesus did. He was being obedient to his, the reason that he came. He went to where, in other words, he made it easy for Judas to them to find him. He went to where he always would go so that he would be found. And that was a place of prayer. And the Bible says, as what's unusual about this is that he prayed, and this is a beautiful picture of the incarnation. How many of you know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man? This is one of the most beautiful pictures that, that we get in Scripture of the humanity of Jesus. That he really was human, and he really was God. And you say, well, how is that, preacher? Well, think about it. The weight and all that was going upon him, the Bible says in Matthew 26, 38, that he prayed in the weight of what was coming to him, not the actual events yet. Just the weight of what was coming almost killed his human body. Can you imagine that? I heard one preacher say, <clears throat> uh, and I believe he's true, I believe he's right. He says, you know, Jesus didn't face temptation the way you and I do because Jesus didn't have, didn't have the flesh and he didn't struggle with the flesh in that regard in the sense of as we do because there's sin, the presence of sin in our life. Jesus didn't have that. But Jesus was tempted. Jesus obviously was tempted, and he, but he endured the weight of, of all of our sin. Do you understand the difference? The Bible says that as he was there, 
His human body became so weak, Matthew says in 26, 38, that he was to the point of death and agony while he was praying. Just from the weight of what was coming and what was about to happen to him. The Bible says in verse 34, the beautiful and most unusual thing, that an angel appeared to him from heaven. And what did the angels do? If it hadn't been for that angel, I believe that his human body would have, would have just died right there. He would have died right there. Under the weight of what we will put upon him. One guy says that it was a demonic thing that he was probably attacked from every way imaginable by the enemy in ways that we could never understand in these, in these hours. Just like he was tempted in the wilderness and the Lord allowed the 40 days and 40 nights of being tempted and the, that our Savior suffered and he was fighting every demonic force. Because you know what they were doing? They were trying, even though it, they were so clever, but they're not very smart. You know what he did? Just to get him to turn back. You, you don't have to do this, Jesus. Can't you hear the devil saying that? You don't have to do this. This, this is not the way it should be. Aren't you angry you got to go through this? How often do you hear that voice? I can assure you it isn't God speaking to you. Most writers and stuff that I've studied about this says that there was probably such influence, demonic things that were coming against him, like I said, that would kill our body just like that. Kill us. And it was all coming down on him. And the Bible says the angel came, among, came to him and, and ministered to him and allowed his body to continue to live. And the Bible says in verse 44, this is, is one of the places in Scripture that says that he became to be in such agony that he prayed so earnestly that he sweat. Now can you imagine from just a moment that the sweat upon his brow actually became blood dripping from his head. I actually read an article years ago from a doctor, a neurosurgeon, who has a name for this condition. It is so extremely rare that you never hear it or say because it almost never, never, never. Somebody has to be put under immense pressure for this to happen. But he explained the condition and what was actually taking place, that his body was under so much stress and so much pressure at that moment that his sweat became blood. <laughs> Jesus went exactly to where they were to find him. He was obedient. He didn't do like Jonah. He didn't get out of town. He went exactly to where the Father told him. He went exactly to where he was supposed to be. And he prayed and he prayed. And you know, people ask about this prayer. And this, and this is what I want to talk about in the prayer in 42. He says, 
He says, And saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You know what I believe this prayer is? It's a prayer of courage. Some people say, well, was Jesus doubting? Was he, was he faltering? No, not at all. Not at all. It shows both his courage and the reality of what he was suffering in his words. Father, if there be any other way, may it be that way. But if not, thy will be done. It is a proclamation of obedience to the end. It's saying, God, Father, pass this cup from me. You know what the cup was? <clears throat> you know what the cup was? Wish I had time to explain this more through the Bible, but I'm just going to give you a short version of it. It's even spoken about as a cup in, in the book of Revelation. It was the cup of wrath that God himself was going to turn upon his own son that he deserved not, but it was our sin. It's what we deserved. And that's the cup that Jesus had to bear. Now listen, church, we ain't even to the cross yet. We talk about the cross. We talk about the trials. We talk about the beatings. We talk about the scourgings. We talk about the crown of thorns that was placed upon his head and shoved down into his skull, probably two-inch thorns going into his brain. People mocking, and he stripped him naked to shame him. Among everybody, women and men and children, all around. They stripped him naked and all, see all that hadn't even happened. This was just in the prayer garden. The weight of sin. And if you ever think that sin is just a joke, read this and think about it, what it cost Jesus. How often do I look at my sin or my life and think, well, that's no big deal. But look what it cost Jesus for me to have to be, so I could be forgiven. That cup that I should drink, he had to drink for us. And not just one of us, but all of us. Jesus wasn't doubting. I don't even believe he was afraid. I just think that he was under the immense pressure and the weight of the wrath of God that was going to be turned upon him for our sin. The separation that he would feel for a moment because of our sin. That his heavenly father would have to turn from him for a moment just to produce that sacrifice. That lamb and the Passover lamb that was drug into the city and laid into this special place and his throat was cut right in front of everybody. The blood would go all over the place. The true sacrifice had just come to town on a donkey. And his sacrifice, according to Hebrews, was once for all. For everyone who receives it. 
and will come to Christ in faith. What was Jesus doing in this time of agony? Agony. You know, I, I've never had to endure a lot of what I've seen other people endure. <clears throat> I've seen people suffer in ways that I never will understand on this side of the earth, of heaven. I, I, I've seen, and you've seen it. And Jesus was being, uh, being, being brought under this place of being betrayed just very shortly. But what was he doing? Verse 46. If you read the, the 26, Matthew 26, you'll see that he did this three times. It doesn't say it here in Luke, but in Matthew, it says he did this three times. He says, then he says to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. I've often taken that as judgmental, or maybe Jesus was scolding them a little bit. But you know what Jesus was really doing? Out of his love. Listen, in the midst of all this pressure, he was ministering and loving on his disciples. He was telling them and reminding them that, listen, things are going to happen fast now. Don't forget to pray. It's the only way that you can resist temptation is to pray and pray. Wake up. Luke says that they were sleeping because they were sorrowful. It's the, only, it's the only gospel that says that. You ever cried so much you just finally pass out? I hope not, but maybe you've been there. I feel like they, they knew what was coming. Jesus had told them what was coming. That their God, their Savior, their best friend was about to be strung up on a cross. And he told them there was no other way. Their hearts were broken. They didn't fully understand. They, 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 were, they were weary and they were worn out. And Jesus, in the midst of his suffering, was ministering to them over and over in this prayer. Remember. Remember. Don't forget to pray. <clears throat> Jesus was obedient in every aspect of what he was called to do. And from this moment, the Bible says it wouldn't be long. Verse 47, it says, In the multitude, and he was called in Judas, one of the twelve, sent before them and drew near to Jesus. And guess what, Jesus, what Judas did? He'd go look at him and say, Come here, Jesus. No, he betrayed him with a kiss, walked up and kissed him. That was the sign that everybody else around who was about to take him prisoner would know who Jesus was. Because not everybody had seen Jesus. Not everybody knew what he looked like. So Judas walks up and he gives him a kiss. And then his real suffering begins. This week as you go to work and as you go through life, as you do the things you're going to do, Remember that this was a week around Friday and Thursday evening and Friday. Things began to get really difficult for Jesus. But remember, they were difficult before that. I often years ago looked at this text as kind of like a, just a, a little prayer session. But man, it, 
This was part of his suffering. That he chose to go to the Lord in prayer during. Listen, when you suffer, you got to keep praying. You got to keep trusting and believing. Even if suffering is knocking at the door. Even if it's taken over. Jesus prayed. And he loved people. And he loved his disciples. And he taught them even through this. Next few days he'd be taken through every trial and four or five different trials. He would be, he would be brought before different individuals and Pilate and others. Nothing but a circus court. Over and over he would be pronounced to die. Innocent but die. Pronounced to die. And you know the rest. You know the week. You know how it went. They took the lashes and, and literally with metal tied in the ends and ripped his back open and slashed him. They spit on him, urinated on him. Anything else they could do to humiliate him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? His suffering, our gain. Not at any point did he deserve any of it. Not one sin had he committed. Not one wrong had he done. So what is this week about? It's about a Savior who suffered more than you and I will ever suffer for your gain and mine. Now we know the other end of the story. That comes Sunday, right? That's the victory. But so often in life, even in the Christian life, that's the order of things. It's suffering and victory. In this life, we will go through things. We will face things. And we won't understand. We won't know why. In this life, we will struggle. We will be angry. We will be mistreated. We will be betrayed. No, nowhere on the scale of what Jesus was, but, but we'll taste a little bit of all of it. But the Bible tells us that because Jesus lives, and because we know Jesus, that we are to live as Jesus lived. And walk as Jesus walked. Is Hebrews up here? I want you all to read with me this verse. I want you to read with me this verse of Scripture. I want you, I want you to be loud like you, like you mean it. I, I, I want you to look. And I want you to read with me. Let's read starting. I can't see. Can we see all? Yeah, that's all. Therefore, we also, since we are by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance to the race that is set before us. Now, the next verse says, now this is who, how we do it. This is Christian because of what I just said to you about the victory that Jesus won over all of that. This is how we have victory in this life. Looking unto Jesus, the author 
and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God of the throne of God. Now what do y'all think about that? Since God has done so much for us and enabled us to be his children and empowered us with a new nature, a new spirit, a new family, a new mission, a new direction. All those things are, are biblical. It's called being a Christian. It's called living as a Christian. Since all of that is what Jesus has done, the Bible says, let us lay aside all the things that ensnare us and the sins that easily ensnare us. And let us live always looking unto the author of our salvation and our faith, Jesus. But you know the word that astounds me? It's gone, it's okay. But you know the word that astounds me about those two verses? The one thing that we haven't talked about at all is the Bible says that, that Jesus had joy. He looked beyond the shame, the beatings, the torture, the cross, the death, the, the, the sitting there trying to grasp to breathe when his lungs was full of fluid. He looked beyond all of that. The shame of being spit upon and called names for hours at a time. Being beat with canes and whipped with lashes. He looked beyond all the things that he had to endure for the joy of what? You. And me. Made right before God. So that we can lay our sins aside and live for Him and live for Him. The Christian life is uh, an amazing thing. I started this message and I said to you, <coughs> we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside whatever. Are you willing today to lay aside whatever that's keeping you from being the person God wants you to be? Are you willing to lay it aside? Are you willing to, through the blood of Jesus, put it to death and be freed from whatever enslavement that you might be going through in your life? Because let me tell you something. If you're his child, if you're enslaved, you're self-enslaved because he's opened the door. Just come out. He did all this for you so that you could, and I can I started by saying we don't get but so many days on this planet. <clears throat> we don't know how many. And but whatever is left in your life and in mine, with God's help, let's, let's do what he's asked us to do. His suffering, our gain, and in this life, we lay our life down for the gain of other people. 
and we follow Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you begin to think like Jesus. You begin to love like Jesus. You begin to go places that Jesus went and do the kind of things that Jesus did. The question and the only question is, do you know Jesus? Have you received that forgiveness of sin and repentance through faith? And if you have today, you have the authority and the power to lay it all aside and to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. Just give me the strength and give me the heart to see people as you see them and to live separated from this world. And what I mean by that is to live the Christian life. Don't get pulled into the world like everybody else. To every day get up and do battle with this fleshly body that wars against me. To seek to live in the spirit instead of the flesh. To know that my only way of victory over evil is, is through, through the blood, through Jesus. The only way. Do you live your life that way? Jesus said, lastly this, if Jesus prayed, we ought to pray diligently. Prayer, according to verse 42, is submission to God. It is coming before our Savior, just as Jesus came before the Father. Humbling ourselves before Him and praying unto the Father and asking not just a laundry list of our needs, but saying, God, Your will be done in my life. And if it costs me something, I will obey. I will obey. Prayer is always answered, but the answer sometimes, even for Jesus, was no. There's no other way. Prayer is supposed to be communion and relationship with God. So we get up on our feet, and once we're done, we can face things and live differently because we pray. Jesus prayed, we pray, I should pray, we all should pray. This week, as we approach Easter coming up this Sunday, think about what Jesus did for you. Think about the victory that he won. And then don't you think about one other thing. The reason that he won it for you. Because he loves you. And he wants you to be a part of his plan to reach others with that same love. That's what being a Christian is supposed to be about in every way. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> what I see in this verse is <coughs> a whole lot of suffering even before he was betrayed.
but it was for our gain. No greater love has anyone who lays down his life for a friend. Jesus laid down. He didn't have it taken from him. He gave it. They didn't deceive him and trick him and catch him and off guard and imprison him. And No. He willingly walked into it by his own will for you and me. What an amazing God we serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today <coughs> your word has reminded us that our Savior and our Lord, your, your suffering began even before the betrayal. In fact, Jesus' whole life, your whole life, was trials and tribulations and struggles and warfare. And even in thoughts of what was to come, brought such anguish into your heart that the angel had to come and minister that your physical body did not just die. And God, you, you, you endured this for us. And not for yourself. Help us this week as we approach the, the, the victory, the wonderful message of Easter, of the resurrection. Because the suffering and the death would mean nothing without the resurrection, it would just be suffering. Father, thank you for giving and suffering so much by allowing your son to come and die for me that I might gain the benefits of salvation, for there were no other way. God, help us to walk in that same path that Jesus walked. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.